Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntra is here. Man, I am back from uh, Salt Lake City Comic Con. It happened last weekend. Thank you very much to those organizers for uh, having me out again. They had me out for their Fanex Spring Show, and it was a great opportunity to do uh, great conversations with uh, Marty uh, Pasco, my good friend, and Marv Wolfman. And we had uh, great talks about comics and television, and uh, it was great to check in with those guys. Same thing happened uh, this fall. Uh, as I had the opportunity to have conversations with Joe Rubenstein, which will be coming up in a, in a couple days. But uh, today's conversation, Mike Zek and John Beatty, the wonderful art team that uh, were responsible for runs on Captain America, of course, Marvel's Secret Wars, The Punisher, lots of other Marvel projects, great Marvel covers between the two of them, uh, even a little DC work. And uh, this was wonderful. It was my first opportunity to talk to Mike and John and I made the most of it. We get their origin story and uh, some fun conversation from Seattle, or Seattle, from Salt Lake City uh, in this uh, great conversation on today's Word Balloon. The, uh, in some ways, the television season has begun, and two shows that were I, I was anticipating have uh, already started. Uh, let's go with the good. The all, uh, what I would say is the overall good right now. I'm a big fan of The Orville, Seth MacFarlane's obvious Star Trek parody. It's not quite as funny as Galaxy Quest, and I think it has room to improve as far as the comedy goes. But it's lighthearted adventure in uh, Star Trek vein, and I think uh, they do a great job in terms of combining the comedy and uh, the sci-fi stories. And in fact, three episodes in, I think they even hit an interesting moral issue in their third episode that I thought they handled quite well. Um, I, I laugh at the critics that say it's neither fish or fowl. Uh, they have to decide if it has to be a comedy or it have to, has to be an adventure series. Bullshit. It's doing fine, doing both. First seasons are clunky. <clears throat> I think they've introduced some interesting characters that I think have a great chance to develop and become more fully formed. Uh, but at three episodes in, I think they're doing a great job. The security uh, officer is a very funny character. Their big uh, warrior character, kind of in that wharf Star Trek vein, is is a very fun, interesting character. And they even gave an interesting moral dilemma with his character. If you didn't see it in episode three, I think Seth is great as the captain. I think uh, Adrian Pilecki is very good as his ex-wife first officer. So uh, if you're now watching it, I'm not sure why, because I think it's funny as hell, and I recommend it. The other show, of course, uh, Star Trek Discovery, um, two episodes in. Uh, I may have uh, already said this on a, on a couple um, other friends' uh, podcasts. I'm on uh, the Wrong Real podcast. That just came out today. James Hancock, really nice guy, hell of a film freak. Uh, we had a really great conversation and talked about Star Trek Discovery, along with my favorite Walter Matthau movies, some of his uh, action and police procedural movies that I don't think get their due. And uh, also, uh, we talked, of course, comics, because he wanted to talk about comics. But uh, Star Trek Discovery came in uh, in that conversation. So if you already heard that, forgive me if I'm repeating myself. But I watched both episodes. I have CBS All Access. I will watch the entire series. I liked the first two episodes mostly, and I'd give it a B plus. And I thought it was a very good pilot as far as you know the big strokes of of the uh, two episodes. But I really think CBS blew it, only showing part one on TV because that played like a tease. You didn't really get a full story. And I think to expect mainstream people to come along for the journey, they should have gotten both episodes for free. Because the first two episodes play like a prologue to the rest of the series. It has a conclusion that if you want to jump off, 
you've got a, a reasonable story and you know where things are going and you can make an honest judgment of do I want to follow uh, this new character, Michael Burnham, because it's very much first person, which is interesting. You know, we mostly have gotten, uh, you know, it's always about the captain in a lot of ways on all the Star Trek uh, spinoffs and, and original series. But also we had stories that certainly as we got past the original series that were about other members of the crew. And you really understood more of the dynamics of the family. The original series obviously afforded us that with their movies. Um, at least two episodes in, we know about the first captain, Michelle Yeoh, and we know about Michael Burnham, the main character of Star Trek Discovery. Um, again, I think you're you're given enough of a satisfying story for the first two episodes, but CBS blew it. And I don't know if we'll ever get word on numbers, because even Netflix every now and then does reveal numbers on uh, their shows. But this being their first show, I'm guessing that we probably won't. But we'll see if this is a uh, success or a failure, 13 episodes moving on. But I got a little quibbles. I'll save them for maybe future episodes and things. And maybe at the halfway point, I'll probably have a couple friends on that are also Star Trek people, and we'll, we'll go over what we like and don't like about the uh, the new series. But I would say if you're on the fence and not sure if you're going to watch it, I would at least watch the second episode before deciding. So, you know, again, I know I'm asking you to spend money, but uh, it's five ninety nine or four ninety nine for CBS All Access with commercials. The commercials aren't that annoying. Uh, I'm I'm satisfied. Uh, I also like The Good Fight, uh, their other uh, show that they've produced as far as new shows specifically for the platform. Um, the spinoff from The Good Wife, of course, with Christine Bernanski, uh, Delroy Lindo, and a, and a very all-star cast. Niambe Niambe from Mike and Molly, who I got to meet in uh, San, Fr- San Diego at Comic-Con, is great in the show. Just nine episodes, but it's a, it's a tight lawyer show, so I was kind of impressed by that. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on the ride for Star Trek Discovery, and we'll talk more about it here on Word Balloon. But now let's talk about, to our friend uh, Mike Zek and John Beatty on this episode of Word Balloon, brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. There are some great books available at great prices at InStock Trades. Are you hip to Kyle Starks? Kyle Starks is a very funny writer uh, that has been cranking out uh, creator-owned books, and they're really fun. They're great action books, but there's a lot of humor in them as well. He's got a great cartoony uh, style. And Rock Candy Mountain Volume 1 by he and uh, Chris Schweitzer is available now at uh, a great price. It's uh, just $4.99 from InStockTrades.com. And I'm telling you, this guy is just really, really funny. And uh, he will be on Word Balloon soon. I got to meet him at uh, Tony Moore's last uh, Cincinnati Comic-Con last year, and shame on me that I haven't had him on the show yet. But very funny guy, and uh, love his uh, his comics. Rock Candy Mountain, it takes place on a train. It's uh, during uh, World War II, and uh, good action, plus, uh, as he says, uh, hobo fights, jokes, and locomotive excitement. I'm in. And uh, you should be too. Four ninety nine for Volume One of Rock Candy Mountain from InStockTrades.com. You can get Planet Hulk, the Omnibus, Greg Pox Epic, and uh, it is forty two percent off, just fifty eight dollars. My good friend Jeff Lemire is back with a new book, Royal City. Uh, this is an incredible soap opera that has some supernatural mystery going on, but also talks about uh, factory towns and. Um, you know, it's a it's a really good social comment on today without really getting very political, but really just, again, the social side of what's happening to a lot of our middle-sized cities that relied on industry 
to uh, pop, you know uh, employ the town, and uh, I, I love it. It's great. It's about a, a very uh, a family that gets uh, kind of messed up with some tragedy, and uh, in their family. And I, I can't recommend it enough. It's fifty percent off. Also, just four dollars and ninety nine cents. You can get the Absolute Justice League Origin hardcover from Jeff Johns and Jim Lee. It's three hundred and sixty pages, and uh, it's an absolute edition. So there's going to be some great back matter in there, I'm sure. But uh, it is fifty percent off. It's forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Uh, you know, I should. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you what. On the uh, on the uh, back uh, commercial, we'll look up some Mike Zek product and uh, give you some uh, clues on uh, what you should get at InStockTrades.com at great deals and great prices. InStockTrades.com. Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your support. Thanks for uh, helping me out uh, on the Salt Lake City trip and uh, other uh, trips that are coming. I'm going to New York Comic Con. I have no panels scheduled. I'm not on any panels, nothing. I'm just going to be roaming around uh, in the uh, press junkets and also Artist Alley, uh, making connections and uh, hopefully uh, getting some great content for upcoming Word Balloon episodes. So I hope to see you there. If you see me and you're a listener, please stop by and say hello. Let me thank you directly for listening and supporting Word Balloon. But if you want to help uh, Word Balloon out and support the cause, if you can spare it, Word Balloon is free. But if you want to help out by subscribing... Uh, patreon.com slash word balloon or click on the patreon ad at wordballoon.com thank you very much as always league of word balloon listeners your ranks grow each week and uh, i appreciate it as i uh, try to uh, move word balloon ahead and bring you more content i mean that's what i've been trying to do these last uh, few months in particular where we've uh, added more programming um, i've got the time and i've got the resources so i'm happy to Crank out more Word Balloon for your listening pleasure. Thanks again for your support, League of Word Balloon listeners. All right, let's uh, pick things up now with Mike Zek and John Beatty on Word Balloon. We'll have an intimate discussion, but I hope people have questions. If not, I mean, I, you know, if you ever listen to my podcast, I can go to Lacoste, come home, and especially having uh, two great guests as we do today. So I'm very excited to have the guys here and was really thrilled to uh, get the opportunity to, to moderate this panel. Thanks for coming. My name is John Suntress. And I host the Word Balloon podcast. And uh, Mike, I told John, uh, use the microphone because I'm, uh, I'm recording for the podcast purposes. So uh, I want to make sure that we, uh, we get the echo. But uh, no, this is a great opportunity to talk to uh, two guys that were very important uh, in the history of Marvel Comics. And also some interesting contributions as well to DC. But uh, very pleased to, uh, to have John Beatty and Mike Zek for our uh, listening pleasure today. Thanks for coming, guys. Interesting right. contributions to DC. <laughs> well, I, well, you know, honestly, I want to. I've never heard it described that way. Well, no, I mean, I mean it in a positive way. But uh, we'll get to the DC, you know, because well, and honestly, I was at your I was at your website, Mike, and um, KGB Beast, and certainly some uh, some great covers and stuff. But um, yeah, I was I was trying to remember as as a guy who's been reading and, and looking at your guys' stuff for a few decades, like a, a lot of the DC stuff. I mean, I primarily think of you guys as Marvel guys. Yeah, yeah. Most people do, because I think once we left Marvel, a lot of people <laughs> stopped looking for our stuff. I think that's <laughs> <Yeah>. not true. <laughs> yeah. Did you did you both together? Did, let's start with the DC stuff because it's kind of a a shorter list. KGB Beast, did you guys or KG Beast? Did you guys both work on that or just uh, Mike? No, that was just Mike. No, just no, Mike. It was just me. Uh, um, you know, once well, once I started venturing away from Marvel, uh, I think 
you know, I'd, I'd kind of done the characters that I wanted to do at Marvel, and and mostly the characters I wanted to do were at Marvel. Uh, but I think everyone wants to at least do one Batman, uh, and and I did. So uh, I started out with those covers. I didn't do the interiors of oh, that okay. series, but I, uh, later on I did do uh, a two-part Legends of the Dark Knight with Stephen Grant, uh, the Punisher writer. Yes, it did. So, We're going to get to the the Punisher yeah. run that you guys did as well. Mm-hmm. Did so? Did someone else design KG Beast? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well then, uh, we, you know, and and then tell me about your Legends of the Dark Knight story. What was? Uh, do you remember what it was about? Yeah, it was. Uh, we were back in prison again. Uh, <laughs> Stephen and I always like more the the crime genre in a way. And you know, from the the Punisher, we started out in prison, but that wasn't just because we wanted to. That was kind of because the the last writers to handle the Punisher just turned him into a crazy maniac kind of guy and. So we, we felt we had to start that way, you know, from prison, and, and I was fine with it. I, I, I kind of like uh, prison movies anyway, so it gave me a chance to do my prison movie. But like everything else, I, I think I got typecast in a way then because, you know, then uh, it seemed like if, if there was anyone in prison, you know, then, they, then they'd call me, you know, to do the story. And it, it was that way with guns after The Punisher, too, you know, since, since I tried to put... Uh, somewhat realistic guns into his hands. Then I was type, typecast as the the big guns guy. Uh, <laughs> everybody that was doing a guns character, and, and and DC always wanted to sort of have their Punisher, uh, and that's why I ended up doing all the about two and a half years worth of covers for Deathstroke, the Terminator. Yes. Um, uh, what was the other? What was the other character? I'm forgetting his name now. That had the red visor. Uh, um, the, they're another gun character there. Hitman? Hmm? Hitman? No, no. It, uh, oh. Vigil- Vigilante. Oh. Vigilante. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, but was it the was it the the cowboy Greg Saunders Golden Age Vigilante or was it the no, no, Mark, no, the, the newer the Marv Wolfman one that the, the skin tight yeah Adrian that, Adrian yeah, Chase that, he almost had the yeah. like a ski mask almost yeah. look or whatever but I always felt like these DC did the the mistake they were making on these guys that they were hoping to be the Punisher was they they always put them in full mask you you wouldn't see their face you don't see one eye of Deathstroke you saw nothing of Vigilante and I think part of the the Punisher. Uh, you know, uh, popularity was that you could see you could see his face. Right. Know, and, yeah. Yeah. And, Frank was a regular guy. The yeah. vigilante, though, I thought was a really interesting character, and especially, man, a dark ending. Mm-hmm. He kills himself if you guys don't remember. And yeah, I, I've spoken to Marv Wolfman about that, and it's like, wow, man, that's mm-hmm. that. And I mean, I don't. That would be interesting. I I wonder if they would allow that kind of violent death. I don't know. Well, we did it in Craven. Yes, you did, and I want to talk about Craven. Absolutely, it's it's on my cheat sheet. Let's go back to the beginning, if we could, for both of you. Um, John, did how? Well, first of all, John, yeah, how did you guys first start collaborating? Uh, well, <laughs> that goes back quite a few years, <laughs> or decades, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, first noticed Mike's artwork in 
I think some fanzines, Rockets uh, Blast Comics Collector. Fantastic. And, uh, Early seventies, uh, yeah. meaning. <laughs> Understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's great. What kind of what kind of work uh, were you doing for like, or what kind of just fan, obviously fan fan kind of pinups and everything, Mike? Yeah, I I grew up in South Florida, and I was still in South Florida at that time. And the uh, uh, RBCC Rockets Blast Comic Collector was in Miami, so that was kind of like my local fanzine, and that became my outlet for for my fan art. Were those things, guys, um, were they like almost like legal sheets that were stapled together? Because I always love early fanzines and newsletters in the pre, uh, you know, desktop uh, publishing kind of world and how yeah, homemade those, those did, great things yeah, were. Yeah, I did see those, and many of them were like that. But uh, the RBCC was actually yeah, close like to more like a professional oh, cool. magazine in many ways. Uh, uh, you know more so than others, and and it was uh, it was pretty well respected as a fanzine as well. Okay, so pick up the story, John. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I this was around the time uh, you know Comics Buyer's Guide was going strong, and that was like the weekly thing where you you know you didn't have the internet, of course, so you got your news from that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where I first saw the RBCC and. I think I ordered uh, an issue or so, and it, I don't know, there was something of Mike's in there that I really liked, and, and I started trying to find more of them, and eventually I did, and I wrote a fan letter. I, you know, I didn't pay attention to where it was being published, even though it was, you know, in there. I was in Daytona Beach, Florida. It was down in okay. Miami, and, well, maybe I did know where it was, but I didn't know where Mike was, and... So I think the publisher, Vince, is it, was it Vince? Or, uh, no, no, that was, was uh, G.B. Love uh, was actually the okay. publisher. Yeah. And Jim Van Heys was. Jim. Oh, he wow. He gave you my fan, my fan sure. letter, right? Mm. Didn't he yeah. give you, he just yeah, handed he it to you because they gave it or something? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. He, he either forwarded it, yeah. forwarded it or handed it to and me. And so, yeah. I don't know, a few weeks, maybe a month, I got a letter back and, it was sticking up out my mailbox, and it said Zach, and I kind of got nervous. And, <laughs> you know, I, I picked it up, and the first thing I saw was Hollywood, and I went, oh, California, because that's the only Hollywood I knew. <laughs> and uh, I was 15, so you know, it's like, I didn't know there was a Hollywood, Florida. I hear you, man. And uh, so then I saw Hollywood, Florida, and I was like, that's odd. I have no idea where that is, you know. And found out it was South Florida. And uh, my kid... I think I, I, you know, I mentioned something about inking. Maybe I sent Mike some samples of what I did, and he put tracing paper on it and corrected some stuff. And he had sent me some, like, maybe a couple pages of pencils from a issue of Master of Kung Fu. Wow. He had just done for me to, you know, see, like, some pencils and work on them. That's so cool. He saw a little bit of potential, I guess, in me even at that young age, or he was just, you know, being nice it's a, maybe a little bit of both <laughs> well then prior to that because if it, if it was master of kung fu i'm interested mike in your time at charlton mm-hmm. because uh charlton charlton's fascinating i mean we all know it as the blue beetle and and question home and captain adam and some of those other great characters but i love kind of the seamy side of charlton and i don't know how much exposure you had to the operation in uh derby connecticut because it literally was a mob organization they they published a lot of and correct me if i'm wrong mike they they published a lot of magazines yes and really 
didn't care what the content necessarily was in the comics. They literally just wanted to keep the presses running, mm-hmm. and comics were kind of an afterthought. <clears throat> and luckily, it was people like Dick Giordano and and Ditko and some of the the great uh, Giordano was the editor that kind of. Uh, cultivated the action heroes but as I understand you did a lot of the horror stuff yeah and by the time I started getting work there Giordano had already uh, transitioned over to DC Comics so uh, the editor in chief we'll call him I guess was George Wildman okay uh, the Popeye artist at the time yeah um, uh, Nick Cuddy was there and Bill Pearson were there and they were kind of the office and there wasn't much more going there but know that I was still down in Florida at that time, so uh, I really wasn't privy to some of the stuff you mentioned about Charlton. I just, I knew their comics, and and I was willing to, you know, if they were willing to give me work, I was willing to do the work uh, <clears throat> because I just wanted to break in, so sure. I was very happy that those guys uh, saw enough potential to give me work, and they, uh, it, it actually started out with their animated books, the the Popeye and Blondie and uh, um, the Flintstones and those. They had little two-page text stories, and then they just have a few spot illustrations in them. So I did a little bit of that while I was waiting to get the uh, horror stories, and, and then they came soon after. And uh, and you're right in the in this <laughs> your your comment about them just sort of wanting to pump the comics out, keep the presses going. Uh, even though there were editors there, I wasn't really edited. They would send me a script for an eight-page horror story, and they wanted to get it back, uh, penciled, inked, and lettered, just ready to go. You know, they didn't care to see the pencils. They didn't care to see the inks. They just sent it back, ready to give to the woman in the office there that was doing the hand-separated colors. Wow. Uh, so, the, you know, the, I was on my own. It was kind of like... <laughs> throw me into the deep end of the pool in a way because I wasn't a letterer and you know, it was uh, <clears throat> but you know say what you will it was uh, I I was very happy to have that training ground I think I needed the few years that I was uh, uh, working with Charlton uh, and no money um, the the three disciplines penciling inking and lettering all totaled uh, $41 a page wow. for the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. And um, and I always get the guys mixed up uh, who scripted over at Charlton because I think of Pete Morrissey who created Thund- Thunderbolt as well. Yeah. And am I right, Joe Gill, the policeman? Joe Gill was their workhorse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy, seriously, like ridiculously yeah. prolific. Yeah. You yeah. would just crank out eight-page stories and whatever they needed. And, and really, like, you know, yeah, workhorse, but... There was there was some fun you know ideas I think in, yeah. as he would crank those out. Mm-hmm. So that's excellent, man. That's very cool. So uh, I, I I did some uh, I heard I heard you on some other uh, panels that have been videotaped over the years, and I understand that um, you you went to a convention to present your portfolio to Marvel. Um, who who at Marvel uh, saw your first work? You know, I don't remember who um, I was. I was just trying to show it to guys. They, they, this was the first convention I went to was the 1971 uh, Phil Suling uh, July 4th convention uh, in New York, kind of the San Diego of its time. Absolutely. Um, and I did try to get to. I it, 
they didn't have a setup where they were really looking at portfolios or anything. I was just trying to catch editors, writers, you know, what have you, just like people have always done, I guess. You know, sure. just trying to catch them, put my work in front of them. Um, I tell you though, the uh, even if, well, no, that uh, that was seventy one. Uh, you know what? I, and let me back up there sure. because the seventy one, I I. I wasn't that interested. In 71, it was almost more of a fan experience for okay. me. Uh, that was more the thing. We, a buddy of mine, we went up and we were going to fill in some of our comic book collection. We <laughs> we made costumes to, to do the, the costume contest. What'd you go as? Gotta Black, ask. Black Bolt. Fantastic. There we go. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> right? Yeah. Had yeah. the tuning fork on your head and everything? I did. Yeah. Got a boy. Yeah. Spent months <laughs> on that costume and then we just slayed it. We... I got first place, and my buddy got second place. That's fantastic. As, as dead man, yeah. <laughs> what, kind of prize did, what kind of prize did they give you for this? You know what they gave me? A, a Rip Kirby Daily by Alex Raymond. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. Man, that's fantastic. Yeah. And I turned it over, and they had like a price on it from then. It was $90. <laughs> I'm impressed. Oh, yeah. Do you still have it? No. Oh, oh that's amazing. No, I think I sold that to Russ Cocker. And it's a, <laughs> I, I flipped it. That was an early flip. <laughs> Fantastic, man. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, so was Master of Kung Fu your first Marvel work? Yeah, that was the first Marvel work. Um, the, well, going back, it's actually going back to RBCC. Uh, I, I told you it was pretty well respected. Uh, uh, Roy Thomas had a, a subscription to it as well as some other professionals and the very first thing I had published at Marvel was because Roy noticed one of my Conan illustrations uh, on an RBCC cover and he just called him up he says hey you know I'd, I'd like to use that uh, on an inside uh, friends piece on the Conan magazine wow. and I said yeah hell great. yeah you that's know, fantastic said you know here I go, go you know going to Marvel but this was even before the uh, or as I was getting work for Charlton. Okay. Uh, and that led to a few more of those inside illustrations, but it just it didn't lead to color comics uh, and didn't lead to that much work in the black and whites either. Okay. But I was glad that Roy saw something, you know, there that, uh, that he liked. And, uh, and even at that time, uh, well... Like I said, I was, I was working for Charlton. There was a, um, uh, a big Miami Beach convention. And since I was something of a professional working at Charlton, I was a guest. But the other guests were Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Neil Adams. Wow. <laughs> down to that, that uh, all together. Welcome so, aboard. Yeah, yeah, really. Holy yeah. cow. So, and the thing about that, that, and, you know, talk about the shift from Charlton to Marvel was... All those guys were very gracious to me there, but Stan more so than, than anyone. He saw, I had like a spread of one of my eight-page stories, and, and I had done some artwork for the convention as well, uh, for their signs and things like that, some more humorous things. And, man, he was just gushing over my work, and it's the first time I met Stan, obviously. And uh, and I was thinking, well, gosh, he sounds just like that guy in the soapbox thing. You know, what a great guy. And Called you true believer. And, yeah, kind, kind <laughs> of like that, you know. And uh, and then, then he was commenting on my sign art, all of that stuff. He says, you should be working for Marvel. You know, I said, yeah, nice. And, uh, and But, you know, only half believing 
you know, what he's telling me and stuff. But, you know, that, that man got on the phone in front of me and called Marble. Holy cow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, and told him who, that I was there and that I need, you know, they needed to give me work at Marble. So Stanley became my superhero that day in 1975. But uh, And now we're going to go back to Marv Wolfman. Mar that was Marv Wolfman's very short time as editor-in-chief in 1975, and he didn't like my stuff. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Wow! Yeah, so, it, so I still didn't get uh, color work, even though Stan himself yeah. recommended me no go. Uh, so the end of that is that I waited, uh, you know, Marv was short-lived there, and uh, then Archie Goodwin came in. The great Archie and, Goodwin, absolutely. Yeah, I know, very great. Yeah, no, no better man, no better editor, no better writer than Archie Goodwin. But he uh, was willing to give me a chance, and he, he gave me, a, at first, a, a five-page color tryout, and okay. that happened to be a just a, a, a small little Thanos story that was lay, <laughs> laying around, and uh, uh, and I did that, and then they just waited a while and, and looking for a place to just put it, and that happened to be in Logan's Run Six. They Fantastic. had five extra pages, and and there was never, you know, that no one ever mentioned that. No one hardly brought that stuff up to me until now. You know, the the more recent Thanos popularity, and now, sure, sure. Now every and it's been rep reprinted yeah. in the Thanos. Collection. Oh, that's great. Yeah, every oh, science cool. fiction thing that they they do now in omnibus or whatever form, they put that little five page story that's in there. Fantastic. So I'm getting like you know these checks for two dollars uh, every, every <laughs> yeah. once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> the thing really paid off. Too funny, man. Yeah. So uh, when did when did John join you on Master of Kung Fu then? Well, he didn't join me on Master of Kung Fu, uh, but you know, going back to his story, yeah. we, uh, you know, I did see the potential, and and then uh, we uh, he planned a trip up to. I had moved to Connecticut at, at that point to. Um, because uh, once, but we got to go back to the Miami conventions. Because uh, you were still. Did you go to Connecticut and then you came back down for the Miami show? Still, well, I would still come down for conventions, but the 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 trip to Connecticut uh, was. You know, I did my couple of years at Charlton. Charlton stopped publishing original work; they just went to reprints. Yep. So it was more important than ever, but it it was good timing in a way because that's when I w uh, when Archie had come in and uh, he gave me that, and then he the first thing he called me on was a master of kung fu. Uh, Canadian artist Jim Craig was on the book at that time, but he wasn't meeting the deadlines, and okay. and Archie just called me apologizing, you know, saying, you know. He's not going to make the deadline. You know, we, we have a script, but we, we would need it in a week. Wow. Yeah, a whole book in a week. He's, and 26 he's, pages? He, 22 pages? I, I think it was 17. 17, you know, okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but, he, you know, he was like... Still? Yeah, it was, it was a strange conversation because he it, it was like he didn't want me to do it, but he but he needed someone to do it. But what am I going to say? You know, there were, that was going to be my foot in the door, you know, fully in the door. I only had a toe in the door before that. So, you know, I took it. I, I stayed up for a week uh, doing that thing. And then wow. I, he sent it to Jim Mooney to ink it. And I'm sure Jim he had Mooney. less than a week. He probably had three days to ink the thing. It was horrible. But, <laughs> but you know, we, we pumped it out. And, and that was the beginning of things that 
then as Jim would miss deadlines, I'd either do a portion of the book or maybe do another fill-in issue, but it was always these rush things uh, that I was doing. And But that having the foot in the door, you know, I just decided, well, I'm going to go up uh, within commute distance to New York, and that's going to cement, you know, that'll help cement my uh, uh, work at, at Marvel. And then I I thought, as soon as I do that, I'll just run back to Florida uh, because, you know, I didn't want to go north. I didn't want the winters or anything. But I ended up staying up there about 25 years after I went <laughs> up. So <clears throat> I overstayed my, my initial prediction anyway. Uh, but, yeah, so Kung Fu. And in, in the meantime, John's, you know, we're, we're still... Uh, corresponding and except for this two month or three month period of time when he was moving when I was doing the move okay. yeah sure. <laughs> but, and he yeah. called me one night and I was like this isn't my exec <laughs> oh yeah, yeah <laughs> you know he called me up and he's like how's it going I said who is this he goes it's Mike I said Mike who he goes Mike Zach. I said no it's not <laughs> I said where you been he goes I've been moving I said where to and he said Connecticut I said oh so yeah, I it's mean, gonna be a little tougher to get your your pages down yeah. to you and everything. Well, yeah. but what that grew to is that uh, he planned a trip up to visit, and uh, and it was at one of the Miami shows because Mike oh, yeah. kind of showed yeah. my work mm-hmm. in at Marvel. Okay, when it got where you know he could kind of guys up coming, you know, just kind of get feedback, and then he would give me feedback and. Um, finally at one of the Miami shows I think it was maybe 79 or 80 uh, Shooter was there and he said well you know it wouldn't have been 80 because uh, we were good I was transitioning to Cap so it was still late 70s okay. then. 78, 78 yeah but I, I yeah. my first trip was in 1980 up there July was I still doing Kung Fu then? yep because I did that cover over uh, light box that Jim bought. And I thought that was still seventy nine. <clears throat> Remember the rhyme, Beatty and eighty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Beatty uh, and eighty. I like your slogan. Yeah, that's no, that's very good. That's how I remembered. And uh, <laughs> so they always had a convention in April, I think, in Miami, and that's why Jim would like to go down. Yeah. And uh, so he said, if you get up to the New York area, I'll give you a paid tryout. So Mike said. You know, if you want to come stay at my place for a couple of weeks, and I'll take you in, and we'll do it. And that couple of weeks, yeah. back then, you could just extend your plane ticket. And you know, uh, one of the things Mike was working on was a couple of kung fu covers. And he said, you know, he had a light box and stuff. And he said, why don't you just ink this, you know, before we go in and okay. see what you know what they say. And we have that to offer. That, sure. uh, you know, if they if they like it fine they could if take not, it we still, a sample. we still had the pencils you know because he was doing yeah just tracing Over vellum or, or whatever yeah. okay yeah sure on the light box but but they liked it well enough and um then the next month we did the same thing they liked that well enough uh but the the problem was is they didn't really have work for him right um, well, and it was Jim's standard answer, too. He's like, go over to D.C. and get good, yeah. get better, <laughs> and then come back. That's what he did. Yeah. yeah. yeah right. And right. so we did. We went over to D.C., and then they kind of kidnapped Mike for – they'd been trying to get Mike to do some stuff for him. Yeah. So I, they kind I took, of used Mike as a pawn. Yeah, I, I took John over, and then they 
they said yeah we like his stuff they said yeah and he, uh, so he can ink anything you draw here you know, just, <laughs> wow. just to try to get me to come over yeah know, and, and did you do there. anything over there uh well what i did when they said that was i just went to uh len ween's office he was doing that anthology mystery in space certainly yeah, yeah 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 so i just said len you know give us an eight-page story here uh, you know so that i'll pencil it john can ink it and uh which he did and and we did, and then he. Then I kept took getting these small, anywhere from six to eight page jobs, and. Um, <clears throat> but without me, the right. thing is, yeah. is the, once I, I I did that one thing, and then they liked his stuff well enough that they weren't after me anymore. They they were using. Oh, that's great! Using it and so it's still at the DC anthologies, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. And and yeah. then uh, I planned another trip up. It had probably been. I don't know if it was quite a year or so, but I planned to go back up just to get that connection. You know, we're going to the office again. And I was out, and I came home, and my mom had said, someone from D.C. called you. And so I wrote it down, and it was Karen Berger. And she was Len Wein's assistant at the time. And she basically said, you know, we want to offer you Justice League. I, I called it around 7.30, and I'm surprised they answered, but she answered. And she said, oh, the reason we're calling is, you know, uh, Lynn wanted to offer you JLA over George Payrods at Breakdowns. And she said, you know, we can send the pages out. And Pretty said, good for a new guy. Yeah, not yeah, bad, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great assignment. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. I think my flight was planned for, like, Monday, and this was, like, a Thursday or something. I said, don't send them. I said... I got plane tickets. I'm coming up Monday. So I called Mike and said, hey, can we go by D.C. when you pick it? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and I'm, I looked at the time because I feel horrible. I want to, I we're not, you know, we're getting, we're getting the origin story, which is awesome, but we're missing the hits. So Captain America, what a great run. And, yeah. and, and absolutely, yes. And thank you for the smattering of applause. I completely agree. <laughs> but uh, I have nothing to do with it. But uh, but no, truly, uh, uh, Jam Dematis uh, doing the great writing and everything, and, and truly, that's that's when I discovered your guys' work, mm -hmm. and uh, especially that wonderful uh, Red Skull story, yeah, that you know culminated in three hundred and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, both of that, us yeah, grew up as Captain America fans, and uh, and no bigger Captain America fan than Mark Grunewald, uh, uh, the editor, uh, and you know that being the case, I mean, I, I had. That was one of the characters I did want to take a stab at, and I let that office know it. And uh, so it, it just came about that it would it opened the the title opened up, and and I grabbed it. And <clears throat> my plan was always to have John ink uh, me on Captain America because he liked Captain America as well. Uh, they were in the middle of a of a one year contract with uh, Quick Draw Studios, one of these uh, uh, lots of ink, many hands, inkers, uh, studios. And so uh, they were locked in. I had my first six issues then just had to be inked by them, but okay. I, I let the editor know that uh, I wanted John to come on board after that because he was kind of like my homegrown inker at that point. You sure. know, so yeah. he, you know, Mike had, <laughs> you know, directed me to... Uh, you know, to, to, yeah, for your back in that day, I mean, you just, yeah. Yeah, Mike is a penciler. He turned the pencils in, and they just gave it to whatever inker 
you know. And Mike was obviously guiding you to yes. bring out the best of Mike's pencils with right. your inks. Yeah. Yeah. So sure, I understand. The Phil Hester and Andy Parks yeah. had that kind of relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, uh, and then, you know, then John, who had never given up a book before, because he was a new guy, you know, when it came time, you know, when the six I months tried. passed, yeah, then I told him, all right, you get, you know, now, now you're on Captain America, as you get a, get off whatever you're doing at DC, and and he had to, yeah. So I I called up, uh, I I didn't know what to do, you know, I didn't know just to come out and tell him the truth, I guess, you know. So I kind of did. It was it was the truth with a, you know, I. Told them that I was offered Captain America by Marvel, and they were going to pay me like five dollars more page to ink it. And I said, I think I'm going to have to take that offer instead of just saying, "Look, you know, see ya. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to the other Thank you. <laughs> Done deal. You Goodbye. Know? Yeah. But the worst thing, and and you know, well, it felt like the worst thing at the time is Lynn said, "Have you said yes yet?" And I panicked and I said, "No." And he goes, "Let me get back to you by the end of the day." And I knew what that meant. Sure. It was going to see. Counter offer. Right. And the call came back and he said, you know, we can't match the rate, so you have to take. I know. I, I felt the same way. You know, every Crisis time the averted. phone rang, I was, you know, I, I was just like on pins and needles. Oh, man. And uh, so he said, we can't match the rate. He goes, we'd like you to stay, but we understand. Okay. You have to leave. And, man, the pressure just went off me. And I was just like, yeah, I think I want to go do Captain Oh my God! Yeah, well, you got, yeah, amazing run. And were yeah. you guys together for the three years that for was it? Yeah, for Captain Yeah, right. That's fantastic. Yeah, right. Too. We we both got off at the same time because we were asked to do Secret Wars. Indeed. So, yeah. Yeah, and that was another thing. Is yeah, Mike, it was. Mike called me about this Secret Wars thing, and it was like we're going to have to give up Cap. And I think we both were kind of like, I know, you know. It was like that's our character, but <laughs> I understand. But know. I said, well, it's established, and you guys were obviously doing so great. And this event, right? I mean, this is yeah. really this is before there were events. I mean, this was yeah. kind of the first and this modern was, event. Yeah, this yeah. was twelve issues too. So it was like you know, Cap was like, I think as long as we wanted to do it. Were you guys worried, given that Jim Shooter, who was also the editor in chief, writing the book? added pressure because maybe Jim is a de facto editor as well on this? Well, we, we kind of knew that would happen, yeah. you know, that he, he would be, but, you know, I didn't have any particular worries uh, until it all started. <laughs> <laughs> until the first issue saw yeah. print yeah, and we that, saw all the changes. And then, well, that, but but that thing, you know, the biggest problem with that book is it was late from, from issue one to issue 12, basically. Wow. He just wasn't. Yeah. You know, the plots were late. And his excuse cool. is that he was editing every other book in the Marvel sure, Universe. Sure, sure. All right, I'll, I'll hand him that. But it's still, it's still you know, uh, made for a, a, you know, a, a less than perfect experience. Oh, you know, having to draw books, you know, just, uh, you know, just rush, 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 you know, the last couple of weeks to get them out. And, you know, we've, we've told the stories, you know, there were a couple of times, including the last double-sized issue, where Marvel would rent a suite in New York City and I'd go in there and an ink or two would be in there, letter, color, everybody, you know, and we'd have to stay stay up all night and do like the last five, six pages. Wow. Something like that of an issue. Yeah. yeah. Just, Holy just cow. Just crank it out. Jeez. Uh, so not not the best uh, conditions, you know, for doing your best work. And, 
and both of us and and, and John was still in Florida so uh, oh wow instead of having to mail pages back down to him if it was that rushed and Rubenstein was one of the regular like fill in page guys okay uh, who was the other guy that I keep forgetting um uh, Art Nichols. Yeah, Art Nichols. Were they yeah, crusty bunker guys? That's that's the that no. Is the they term. were just uh, guys they were, that they were in the office. The yeah. Sure, they were sure. for something yeah. to come in. Okay, that, you know, needed to be like put out that sure. day or something. Yeah, because this was also back in the time where all the coloring it wasn't computer, you know, so it took a little longer, I guess, on the coloring to hand color yeah. and do this stuff. Absolutely. So but, we, yeah, so it was a kind of a foul experience in a way and we were kind of depressed about it because you know we were thinking well gosh this isn't our best work and uh this isn't going to go over as well as everyone hoped and but you know then we were proven wrong once the uh, once it was being published you know then they had to go to second printings and, yeah. and it was like wildly wildly popular and we're, we're shocked of course that it's that popular absolutely but, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the thing that makes me happy, and I'm, I'm happy that it was popular, obviously, and, uh, but the, of, of all the events like that, the Maxi Series or something, there's, there's never been another one that uh, attracted that many new readers to the industry. That's all I've ever heard for, for the last 30 years at conventions, and there's never one that I don't hear it. This is the one that got me in. This, this, you know, cover one, cover eight, the new Spider-Man. Yeah, suit, I want to talk about that. Absolutely, you know, whatever, yes. You know, the the Doom cover. I mean, so yes. many people came in with that series, and that's the real success of Secret Wars. Is how many new readers uh, it brought in and, and maintained. It, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, they stayed. Absolutely, yeah, it wasn't right. like the yeah. speculator. Mm-hmm. Oh no, absolutely. The 90s where <laughs> people yeah. got in yeah. and. Soon as they couldn't get, you know. Yeah, no, it wasn't that. These were just kids who were loving that stuff, and they discovered the Marvel universe, and they stayed. And that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. So there's, you know, there've been there've been other popular series, but none that can claim that or, or that had that result. You know, bringing Very that cool. many people in. Do do if people have questions, please line up at the microphone because I, I, as I said, I'm happy to continue, and I will continue because there's still a lot to go over. But I don't. I want to give you guys the opportunity to ask questions as well from the guys. But we mentioned the uh, the Spider-Man outfit. As I've heard you say at other conventions, there's a lot of misunderstanding and misinformation mm-hmm. about who created the Black Spider-Man mm-hmm. costume. Yeah, and it's you know it's right here uh, on the dais and everything. So yeah, yeah I want, you know, at least on my podcast, we're going to get it right. Well, so there's a the uh, the internet is uh, as, as we all know is an ocean of misinformation. <laughs> yeah. uh, so and anybody gets on there and says something, you know then. You know, then you've got a number of people that are going to believe it, I guess. Sure. But, but here, here's, you know, in terms of the costume, the the the, the, the real, genesis, yeah, the, yeah, the history of it is is that there there was a kid. Now I didn't know any of this back in the day. I was sitting home, and Jim just said, "Spider-Man's going to need a new costume. Go design it." You know, that that was all I knew at the time. Yeah. What I didn't know is that a year before Secret Wars, uh, kid Randy Schuler had submitted a plot hoping to become a writer, and <clears throat> Jim saw some potential in it. He let him uh, try to uh, redo it, flesh it out a little bit, but didn't go anywhere. He, he wasn't ready. And um, But in that plot, there was a written a, a scene where Mr. Fantastic uh, made a, a new costume for Spider-Man. 
you know that that's all that I know that now that that was in that plot and that part of the plot stayed in the back of Jim's mind I guess for the for that year uh, and then when the Secret Wars thing came along and he was trying to figure out uh, how these characters would change either emotionally physically whatever then he brought it out and and he really brought it out at exactly the right time uh, because had it not been on an alien planet that it happened then it wouldn't have blown up like it did you know we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have seen uh, venom uh, right so good good for him you know but like I said I, I wasn't privy to that any of that information at the time uh, so you know give this kid I guess credit for planting a seed in the back of Jim's mind that that you know grew at just at the right time sprouted at the right time um, but now and I, I think you know the the like the timeline was that uh, we'll call it like amazing 251 and all the books that month everybody at the end or, or all the people that did go you know were transported to battle world and then amazing 252 and all the books that month they're all coming back and so secret wars in in marvel continuity happened in that month but in publishing continuity it took 12 months to tell the secret wars story sure so all these other books, and, that, and that's why I had to go design a number of things prior to doing Secret Wars so that these other artists then would have or would know uh, what changes these characters went through, know how to portray them when they did come back from Battleworld. But that's not seen by readers. They don't see me designing the, the costume. They, sure. you know, they, don't, well, they, don't, they don't see all that. They, they saw mine eight months later, basically. Was it Rick Leonardi that <clears throat> first uh, had an issue come out with the costume? Or? Uh, no, it was the, uh, Amazing 252 would have been the first one. That was Ron Friends. Ron Friends, okay. And, and because everybody saw it first there, then there's men, there's a lot of information on the internet saying that, well, Ron Friends was the first guy, you know, he right. he uh, created that costume. Uh, the Rick Leonardi thing is that um, they're apparently, and, and again, I didn't know this, but apparently they, my sketches uh, for that design were not in standard turnaround, you know, front, back, side view thing. Every <laughs> angle of the character. Yeah. I mean, I had them, but they might have been a half a figure. So I was doing close-ups, details, something like that. So I think, I think they had Rick do that so that Okay. So that when these other artists would, uh, the, the typical thing was to give a turnaround to artists, and you know, uh, uh, and then they could more know, you know, how to portray the character. Sure. Yeah. So I, I guess that's probably how this Rick Leonardi turnaround uh, came about, and but they published that in Marvel Age. And they colored the white elements red in the right. Marvel Age. Okay. Yes. So now on the internet. Rick Leonardi uh, uh, is, was, you know, created the costume, and the costume was supposed to be red in the beginning, but then we changed our minds, you know, and, and made it white. But it was it was never. It was just uh, no one told the colorist, the Marvel Age colorist, what sure. to do. They just they just uh, well, you decided. assume that red's going to be part of Spider-Man's yeah, makeup in probably, some way, probably. So that. you know, especially yeah. the spider part of it and everything. Mm -hmm. but. So there's three Funny. pieces of misinformation, you know, out, out on the on, on the internet, and uh, I, I'll, I'll give you one anecdote for Rick Leonardi because it was only about a year ago that I was at a New Jersey convention. He was there too, and 
he came up to me and he just started apologizing profusely. Oh, that's profusely, you know. He says, Thirty years later, I didn't know. You know, he says, I didn't. I didn't tell them or something. But it wasn't that. I mean, I, I think he was aware of that too. Uh, but in that program book, this this just tells you. You know, you make a little noise on the internet, people are going to believe it. Sure. Uh, they had him down as creator of the the black costume. Wow. In the program book. I oh my I'm God. at the show, <laughs> oh, and man. that program book has him credited oh, you know, for the black costume, and he just couldn't couldn't apologize <laughs> enough. You know, uh, for me, he's you know he, he was trying to convince me that it wasn't his idea. You know, to put sure. that credit on there. Sure. Uh, but you know, so there it is. You know, all that's out there, and then uh, then I saw the. The Randy Schuler was on the internet trying to take credit for uh, the black costume. Now, to everybody else's credit, uh, Ron or, or Rick or any, none of those are, are you know attempting to take credit for it. Re, you know, Randy's looking for credit for it, I guess. Oh boy! Wow! Uh, and 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 here's, here's the the last anecdote. Yeah, please. And I told uh, you know uh, you know, and I'm not going to get on the internet and start trying to correct it, you know, because I'll I'll. You know, I'll die having corrected yeah, you know, yeah. this amount of one percent. You know, the misinformation out there. So I'm not going to worry about it. But uh, you know, I told Jim. Then uh, this is only a couple months ago, not not too long ago. That I was at a convention with Shooter, and <clears throat> and I just saw one of those comics news sites. You know, they were talking about um, the new Solo Venom movie that, okay. that's coming out, yes. and. And it was then when they mentioned Venom, and then they had the creator, you know, who created it. And the first person listed was Randy Schuler. And then David Michelini, who really came up with Venom. Yes. He was there second. I think I was third. I think Todd McFarlane was on there. And Shooter was nowhere to be seen. Wow. You know? And I showed it to Jim. I said, Jim, here's what, you know, because we had talked about it anyway. I said, here's what I was talking about, Jim. I said, you go on the internet, you know, you make a little noise. Everybody's going to believe it. I said, look at this. You know, look who created Venom. I said, look who's first, you know. And I said, I'll, I'll put money down right now that, uh, you know, I'll make the bet with you right now. I said, when that movie comes out, you know, I'm going to bet that Randy Schuler's on uh, somewhere on the credits, you God. know, in that movie probably and stuff. But, you know, just just because he's making noise. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you got a question? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming out to the con. Appreciate it, guys. Um, mm-hmm. I have a question. Whenever I see like uh, pencilers and inkers who have worked a lot together, um, the pencilers some it kind of varies of what they give the inker. Sometimes it's very detailed sketches and the inker fills it in. Sometimes it's stick figures and the inker just knows what the penciler wants and draws the whole thing. I was curious for you two, how does that relationship work? Like, what kind of pencils do you end up giving John? And then how much of the ink and how much is actually drawn and filled in and everything like that? So well. And you're probably aware that there's uh, there's full pencils and then there's breakdowns, uh, uh, and I, I've done I've done both ways. You know, if I'm doing full pencils, I don't think they've changed that much. You know, my style develops a little bit, you know, over the years, and uh, so I just put I I put that down. John Inks, you know, John's going to be more true to my full pencils, obviously, but. He's worked over breakdowns, and he kind of knows what to do uh, with those as well. Uh, you know, there's there's many inkers, you know, that I trust with just breakdowns. Gotcha. Very cool. With the time we have left, um, because we have create, uh, 
Craven's Last Hunt. And uh, I want to ask about Circle of Blood. I'll, I'll, I'll bother you about Craven's Last Hunt because Bob, yeah. Bob was the anchor on Craven, yeah, correct? Right. So right. Circle of Blood, John, you were, were you on Circle of Blood? Yeah, right. All right, excellent. Uh-huh. I got to tell you, as, as someone who uh, was new to the direct market, it was a big shock when the first issue came out and I couldn't <laughs> get it because everyone had pre-ordered it. Yeah. And we had that that situation where, mm-hmm. no, I'm sorry, it sold out. I'm like, it, it's supposed to come out today. Yeah. You just opened it noon. How yeah. can it already be sold out? Yeah. So what was that like as, as creators and everything, having such a hot book? And obviously based building on all this you know collective body of work that you guys had built to that point. You know, it didn't, it didn't surprise me that much because I thought Stevens... For me personally, I thought his story was was per, his take on the Punisher was perfect, and and completely in line with what I thought the Punisher would be. And I don't, you may not know, but Steve had been shopping that plot around for at least a year, maybe over a year, and Marvel did not want to do it. Uh, really, they had, too violent. Uh, no, they just felt like the Punisher as a character couldn't support his not own. Not big book. enough, isn't he that interesting? Couldn't support yeah. his own book. Wow, and. <clears throat> You know, and, and and I said, man, this story's so good. You know, and I said, well, let's let's uh, let's try again. You know, I'll connect myself to the story. Let's let's go. You know, you'll have a team, and of course, John, you know, would be on it as well. And and because I just came off Secret Wars, I think they threw us a bone. That was that was like their attitude. <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. well, all right, you guys, you just go do it, and. Uh, yeah, you know, they they were sure still that it would fail, and, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with these people? You know, because uh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger running around with big guns, making making big money in the yep. movies. It was the perfect time for the Punisher, no the question. perfect time. And you know, and as you pointed out, it was the perfect time. But <laughs> it just like completely sold out. Second printing, third printing, you know, whatever. It just just went crazy, and uh, it didn't surprise me that much. Uh, you know, I, I thought it should. I'm gonna, I want to let the gentleman get his question before yeah. we have to stop. I, this question's kind of obscure, but I've always wondered about it for years. In the third issue of Punisher, there's a panel where you've got a truck, and it's the Daily Planet, and it's a reference to Howard Chaykin. Can you explain <laughs> what that was? I can't find an answer anywhere. That may have been Bruzenak, the letterer, may have put something on the side of it. Because he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, didn't, he I, I didn't do it. Work um, a lot. Probably, I think so. I think yeah. Ken Bruzenak lettered yeah. a lot of Howard's work, so it's probably because I I loved it when I got pages lettered by he's one of my favorite letterers because he would do all the street signs and all the other stuff, so I wouldn't have to worry about inking yeah. that. So probably if there's something, mm-hmm. it was probably up to him. He okay. pr- he probably threw something on yeah. that if Howard read it, he would you know. I liked Howard well enough, but not not to put his name on, on trucks or signs or anything. Yeah, we yeah. we you know there's if I can in in the graphic novel, big nothing, uh, Vertimay's brothel. That's my mom. That's a little Easter egg. A lot of people don't know it. My mom's ninety. We, yes, we did ask for her permission. I said, hey mom, we're doing this graphic novel. It's a brothel. <laughs> Can we name it after you just for fun? He's like, oh yeah, whatever, you know. She's like, Mike's a son to her too, so it's yeah. you know she's like, yeah, go ahead. And then Ivy's Casino is uh, Jim Ivy, who used to have the Cartoon Museum, which was basically a comic shop, and he dealt in original art and stuff. And he also put on an Orlando convention every year, and we always would play cards with him, and he loved playing cards. So when we had a casino scene. Mike and I were like, we, we got to, you know, yeah. get Ivy's Casino on there. Hilarious. Yeah. That's amazing. And think of the 
how important the Punisher franchise was to Marvel in the late 80s and early 90s in three books and, yeah. you know, just constant product and stuff. And now again, uh, it's right. coming up. In right. the closing seconds, what do you guys think of uh, the movies and, and the TV stuff that's going on with Marvel? Well, the movies were were terrible, but the, <laughs> the Netflix thing I like. Yeah. But, but also know that between the last movie, Warzone, and, and uh, the Daredevil uh, season, that the Punisher character came back under the Marvel Studios umbrella. Uh, so I knew that would be helpful to the character. So I think, uh, you know, I, I think John Bernthal's great. And I also think there's a little bit of luck because he came in at the right time. You know, those those uh, uh, Ray Stevenson uh, and Thomas Jane, they're, yeah. they're great actors. But if you surround them, you know, with garbage, they can't lift it up. Couldn't you know, agree more. Not going to happen. And I agree with you with Barenthal, yeah. too. I mean, he's yeah. a natural and it's so yeah. perfect for the character. Yeah. And I think we're I think we're in for some good stuff. And I hope you guys are in for some decent royalty checks. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. Something. Yeah, I wish. Something. Yeah, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to have that. Uh, <laughs> Are we done, unfortunately? Oh, man, I'm sorry, guys. I, uh, I thought you saw me. Oh, okay, I didn't see it. But, but uh, thank you very much. And really, guys, thank you for the great contributions you made to comics. And thanks, everyone, for your listening. Got to get these guys back. It was a real pleasure meeting them and talking to John Beatty and Mike Zek. I saw Mike... Uh, after uh, the convention had ended that night before we all flew back and uh, he was relaxed and uh, he, he, we agreed that we had a great conversation and need to pick things up and talk more about the career of Mike Zach. So, man, I'm telling you, you, know, you, get, you only get 45 minutes and uh, it goes by way too fast. But I really wanted these guys to uh, tell their story and especially how they broke in because I think every breaking in story is unique and you can tell from John's side of the story and Mike's for that matter. Plus an opportunity to talk about... Uh, you know, Charlton Comics? Are you kidding me? Of course I had to talk about that. It's an interesting company that, you know, Dick Giordano and, um, God, uh, and now I'm blanking and everything. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim Aparo started over there, John Byrne, and, uh, just uh, really, if you read the Charlton Comics story, some really amazing artists and writers work there for nothing, for peanuts. It was a really cheap shop. But, you know, that's kind of where they started. And uh, we're able to continue and do more things at uh, DC and Marvel and the other companies and stuff. So it was a pleasure to uh, hear Mike and John's story on today's Word Balloon. Thanks again for listening today. Brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners and InStockTrades.com, where, hell, you want to see some great uh, volumes and stuff? You can get uh, the Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu Omnibus featuring Doug Munch and Mike Zek. Uh, This is uh, Volume 3. It is 50% off, and it's just $62.50. You can get Mike Zach's Classic Marvel Stories Artist Edition hardcover. Uh, this is from IDW, and it features writers like uh, Jam Dematis and others, but it's uh, Mike and John's work. It looks like there's some Captain America in there, among some other great stories. It's uh, 30% off. It's just $84. Um, let's see. What else have we got here? There's, uh, well, of course, uh, Punisher, Back to War. The Omnibus hardcover uh, that's 42% off, and this includes Circle of Blood. Uh, we talked about that uh, wonderful miniseries between he and uh, Stephen Grant. And uh, this is Mike and John doing what they did best, and it's got a great cover by them as well. 42% off. It's just $58. Um, there's a lot more Mike Zek uh, work. There's Damned, which came out from Boom Studios, and that was Steve and uh, Mike back together again. 
and it's uh, another great uh, crime story. That's 30% off, just $11.89. There's Deathstroke the Terminator. We talked about, uh, you know, Mike's uh, cover work for that. But, uh, you know, and there's several volumes of Deathstroke right now that have uh, Mike's Zach covers. But uh, those volumes are all 42% off and just $8.69. Some of the great stuff from Mike Zek and John Beatty, available now at InStockTrades.com. Check it out for yourself. Great deals and great prices at InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening to Word Balloon. Again, we're less than a week away from New York Comic Con. I'm psyched. Uh, I hope to see you there. I've got uh, a couple more releases coming out before the start of New York Comic Con. And I'll be back with uh, more content. We've still got uh, Joe Rubenstein to give you from Salt Lake City and uh, some other great conversations as well as I uh, introduce somebody that has been a friend of Word Balloons for a long time but never been on an official Word Balloon podcast. And also we reach back with an old uh, uh, comic journalism friend and have a great conversation about what's going on today as well. Those are my teases. Uh, I'll give you more details uh, when uh, we pop out the next episodes. So until then, thanks for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2017.